This is the voice of the Trumpet Magazine. News, economy, politics, trends, discovery, health, family, the Bible, the future. This is Trumpet Hour. Hello and welcome to Trumpet Hour. This is your Wednesday, August 22nd edition of the show, and I am your every other week edition of a host, Philip Nice. Last Wednesday, you heard Jeremiah Jacques, and next Wednesday, you will hear Jeremiah Jacques. This Wednesday, you are stuck with me, stuck with me and my impressions of General Michael Flynn. Uh, General Flynn has just visited the headquarters campus of the Trumpet offices here in sunny central Oklahoma. As many listeners know, the headquarters campus here has so much more than just the Trumpet offices. As I often refer to it, it as the, the headquarters campus of the Trumpet offices, but there is much more going on than just the Trumpet, as we've talked about before uh, on this show. But these same offices, as I've said, produce the Key of David and the Trumpet Daily and the Philadelphia Trumpet and however many other podcasts and magazines and websites and and booklets and books and um, call center and and so many other things I cannot now count. I have counted them before. I try to count them and uh, give you a complete picture, but I uh, didn't have time for that uh, today. Uh, but there's a steady stream of literature going out, Bible correspondence courses, uh, booklets, magazines, and so forth all over the world. And uh, also on this campus is a small college, a small K through 12 school, athletic facilities, an agriculture program, accounting offices, food services. You could say on this campus is a whole way of life. And we said that about summer camp that ended earlier this month. If you listen to that program uh, on that schedule, that summer camp schedule that uh, Trumpet Hour creator and uh, youth camp Assistant Director Joel Hilliker and I were looking at in that show that uh, multicolored, uh, complex schedule that we were looking at. On that schedule, that jam-packed schedule, is a whole way of life. And I have been looking at the masterpiece of logistics that is the K-12 through Imperial Academy school schedule. And on that schedule is a whole way of life, uh, extending for more than just the three weeks of summer camp. And General Flynn toured a whole way of life. We will talk about that a little later, but the Celtic Throne performance, the elementary school, the middle and the high school, the uh, meals and the interviews and the, and the lecture, of course, open to the public, and we could go on and on, and we will. And of course, you'll get more of that over on the Trumpet Daily with Stephen Flurry, rumble.com slash Trumpet Daily. You've probably already seen all three of the General Flynn interviews and lecture but if you haven't or if you didn't know that there were two interviews plus a lecture and a Q&A, go there now. Rumble.com slash Trumpet Daily. I will not be offended. Go there now. By the way, if you're still on here on Trumpet Hour with me, uh, the number of views on those Trumpet Daily interviews are an order of magnitude more than usual. Check check out the, the views uh, on the older programs and then scroll back up to these, these three newest programs. Tens of thousands of people said, wow, what do we have here? And they have watched those uh, lectures and, or that the, those two parts of the interview and the lecture. The leader of United States Middle East Counterinsurgency Innovation, the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the former and perhaps future national security advisor to once and future President Donald Trump, plus dynamite Trumpet Daily host, if I do say so, Stephen Flurry. You scroll through that feed on Rumble, though, and you see a consistent message there from uh, Stephen Flurry and the Trumpet Daily, day after day, week after week, and then top, boom, a very big interview on, again, those same themes are in that interview, those same things that uh, Mr. Flurry has been hitting week after week on the Trumpet Daily. And then you see a very authoritative figure in these matters confirm very much of what you've been hearing on the Trumpet Daily. So that's it's just a very exciting interview in its two parts and in the, in the lecture as well. So yes, watch part one and watch part two and watch last night's American Crisis Philadelphia Trumpet Lecture by General Flynn. Uh, but if you've already done that or you want to save the best for last and just stick with little old Trumpet Hour for a bit, I uh, thank you. Uh, we'll start by putting into practice something that General Flynn told us, one of the many things, many lessons that we could take from the last two days. Uh, and the best way to sum it up is how Trumpet Hour creator Joel Hilliker always summed it up. Watch your world. Remember, he kept saying, keep watching your world. 
And we watch our world on this program. That is its purpose. Uh, but our first segment watches our world. It goes beyond our borders. And you'll hear Philadelphia trumpet author Mihailo Zekic here in a few minutes, for a few minutes, about how America is involved in the Middle East. The way we usually look at this, at, at America's involvement in the Middle East, is that the Arab nations are resisting peace with the Jewish nation of Israel, and America is supporting Israel. But at, the, at this moment, both of those things are backward. So Zekic will trace that back to ultimately one powerful man in America, the same man that has been mentioned in similar contexts these past couple of days by General Flynn. But General Flynn, as I said, one of the sub-themes, I mean, not the, the main theme, but one of the sub-themes uh, that he talked about is to be engaged in your community, to be engaged in your world. I mean, why is General Flynn a, a household name? Why do many people know that name? Uh, it was because he was director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. It was because he became national security advisor to President Donald Trump. And it was because uh, Barack Obama and the people who served him targeted that man in particular. Uh, but he rose to that level in the first place because of his engagement in the Middle East. You can Engagement is an understatement, of course. He was a top officer, intelligence officer, the J-2, they call it, of United States and NATO strategy and or, or not strategy but intelligence in that conflict and he has said america is in crisis he has said the whole house is on fire and you have to be concerned with that first he made that point for sure uh, but he also said that americans as well as people of other countries for that matter have to pay attention to what is going on outside of their own borders and he flat out stated that alliances between huge countries with huge economies are forming for the purpose of destroying America altogether. And that uh, that affects the Middle East. The Middle East is uh, part of that. So again, the purpose of those alliances is to destroy America. He said that they would destroy us, quote, in a heartbeat, which will not be that hard with the nation on fire and few people even fighting the flames, even recognizing the flames, as we'll talk about later in this program. But let's start, as we said, by going beyond our borders, flying across the eastern United States, from Oklahoma, across the Atlantic Ocean, across Spain, across the Mediterranean, and into the Middle East, as I said. For our contributor, that would be a flight due more southeast uh, from England down across Central Europe and the Aegean Sea and Turkey. Uh, but we both end up with you, our listener, at the same destination here, Israel. So our focus for the next few minutes in Israel and the current state of its relations with the surrounding Arab and Muslim nations is our focus, as well as how the United States is intervening. Our contributor, of course, watches this region in particular as part of his day job. You hear him on our Week in Review program. His name is Mihailo Zekic. Remember the Abraham Accords? In 2020, United States President Donald Trump negotiated normalization agreements between Israel and four Arab states, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco. The following year, the new government of Joe Biden, or as we at the Trumpet often call it, the third term of Barack Obama, promised to continue what Trump started. To this day, no new peace agreements between Israel and the Arab world have been signed. But in less than a year from today, this could change, and in a big way. Since March, reports which have since been confirmed have surfaced that the U.S. is once again brokering a peace agreement between Israel and an Arab state. And it's not just any Arab state. It's a G20 economy. It's the unofficial leader of the moderate Arab bloc. It's the home of Islam's two holiest cities, Mecca and Medina. It is Saudi Arabia. What exactly is being negotiated? Well, Israel would want Saudi Arabia to join the Abraham Accords Club, so to speak, and fully normalize relations. This means an embassy in Tel Aviv, freedom of travel between Israel and Saudi Arabia, the ability to make diplomatic and defense agreements in the open, and other things. But what did the Saudis get from this deal? Israel actually doesn't have much they want. It's what the U.S. can provide them that interests them. 
Few details can be confirmed at this point, but media reports suggest the Saudis are mostly concerned with defense deals. The Saudis reportedly are asking for U.S. assistance in developing a nuclear program, ironclad U.S. defense agreements if attacked by Iran, and access to weaponry like the THAAD, or THAAD, missile defense system. The negotiations, then, are about as much for a U.S.-Saudi deal as they are for an Israeli-Saudi deal. The elephant in the room is the Palestinian question. Saudi Crown Prince and de facto leader Mohammed bin Salman has said before that Saudi Arabia would not recognize Israel without some sort of deal with the Palestinians. But, according to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, this time around, the Palestinian issue is not of major concern to the Saudis. He told Bloomberg, as per an August 7th article, quote, It's sort of a checkbox, speaking of the Palestinians. You have to check it to say you're doing it. Is that what's being said in the corridors? Is that what's being said in discreet negotiations? The answer is a lot less than you think, end quote. In many ways, despite the Palestinian issue, Israeli-Saudi relations already exist and are thriving. Israel and Saudi Arabia, for example, have already been performing joint military exercises since 2022. Israel is currently working on a trade project that would connect Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE with a highway which would start around the Tel Aviv area. A representative from Israel's foreign ministry told Al Monitor that this trade corridor would operate even if Saudi Arabia doesn't officialize relations. And Crown Prince Mohammed already lets Israeli flights use Saudi airspace. How far along are the talks? Well, the Wall Street Journal reported on August 9th that the U.S. and the Saudis have agreed to a broad outline and hope to hammer out the finer details within about 9 to 12 months. According to the journal's report, the Saudis also are demanding concessions to the Palestinians. But, as we've just discussed, Netanyahu himself said the Saudis aren't that interested in the Palestinians. So there is an apparent contradiction with what the media is saying regarding what Saudi Arabia is looking for regarding the Palestinians. And if the Palestinians are supposed to be a checkbox that neither the Israelis nor the Saudis are that concerned about, then whose eyes is the checkbox for in the first place? An August 8th article in Haaretz may hold the answer. The U.S. Congress. The defense relationship Crown Prince Mohammed is asking for necessitates involvement of the Senate. No deal is going to happen without at least two-thirds of senators greenlighting it, and the Democratic Party currently controls the Senate. According to one top congressional aide, Haaretz quoted, Prince Mohammed, quote, may not care about the Palestinians and a two-state solution, but Congress certainly does, end quote. Democratic Senator Chris Van Hollen, meanwhile, told Haaretz, quote, We continue to hear from the government of Israel that Mohammed bin Salman doesn't care about Palestinian interests, but many of us believe that the long-term sustainable peace can only be secured by addressing the critical Palestinian questions, end quote. But why is this so important to the Senate? The agreements with the UAE and other Arab states didn't need to address the critical Palestinian questions. Well, both Netanyahu and Crown Prince Mohammed are not popular men among many Democrats. Both, for different reasons, represent a reaction against progressive values spreading in the Middle East. And many in Washington want both to be pressured out of office. Giving Netanyahu and Crown Prince Mohammed everything they want, then, without some sort of side deal that would appease the Democratic establishment, then, would look very bad for the Senate. But meanwhile, while the Democratic apparatus is trying to ostracize both Netanyahu and Crown Prince Mohammed, the current presidency 
is doing everything it can to empower their arch-rival, Iran. This even includes an unofficial nuclear deal, which the Trumpet has extensively reported on. The Abraham Accords were meant in part to create an anti-Iranian alliance. The UAE, Bahrain, and Morocco either were or are in proxy wars against Iran. But bringing the Saudis on board would bring this alliance to new levels. And it's pretty clear from the Saudi perspective why they want this deal to go through. Saudi Arabia is one of the world's biggest exporters of fossil fuels. They don't need nuclear energy to power up their country. The only reason Crown Prince Mohammed would be so interested in a nuclear program is to set up a dormant nuclear weapons program in case Iran develops a bomb for itself. And as for the THAAD missile system, well, Saudi Arabia not too long ago had THAAD set up on Saudi soil under American supervision. But Biden pulled the system out of the country. Saudi Arabia faces rocket attacks from Iranian proxies in Iraq and, until recently, Yemen. And with the current discussions, one can see that Crown Prince Mohammed evidently really wants THAAD back. Israel has always been terrified of Iranian intentions, but the Saudis' demands show how terrified they are getting of Iran as well. Meanwhile, the rule of the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank is crumbling. Last month, Benjamin Netanyahu's government voted to take measures to stop the PA from falling apart. As the PA loses its grip on power, meanwhile, Iran is filling the vacuum in the Palestinian territories. Iranian proxy Hamas already controls the Gaza Strip, but Iran is also gaining control of the West Bank. In April, Iranian General Hossein Salami claimed Iran's invisible hands are the reason West Bank terrorists all of a sudden have access to modern weaponry. It remains to be seen what exactly the critical Palestinian questions Congress wants addressed are. But if the statements from the capital combined with America's treatment of Iran mean anything, they probably entail some sort of Israeli withdrawal or granting of more autonomy. At this point, even if any concessions are meant for the PA, anything like that would give Iran an even greater access point through the West Bank to attack Israel. This wouldn't be the first time the United States meddled in the Arab-Israeli peace process to Israel's detriment. In 2021, Netanyahu was supposed to visit the UAE for a peace deal signing ceremony with Sudan. Now, some context for this. Joe Biden had not been in the White House for very long at that point, but the Obama administration, which Joe Biden, of course, was a part of, had a history of funding anti-Netanyahu groups, and Israel, meanwhile, was headed for legislative elections. And according to a report on Axios at the time, quote, U.S. officials liked the idea of the ceremony and agreed to send a senior official, but stressed it wanted it only after the Israeli elections, end quote. Netanyahu's trip was then suddenly canceled, and he was voted out of office temporarily soon after. The implication was that the U.S. didn't want Netanyahu to better his electoral chances with a diplomatic photo op. The Abraham Accords were meant to help Israel's security, but the Israeli-Saudi deal currently in the works serves the opposite purpose. The Biden administration, which again is really Barack Obama's surrogate third term, knows it costs a high price to get Netanyahu to loosen his grip on the West Bank. Obama is banking on a Saudi embassy in Tel Aviv to be a high enough price. But if this deal, including the details we've been able to gather from media reports, goes through, the West Bank will become an Iranian dagger pointed at Israel's heart. If anything, such a scenario would bring about Israel's destruction faster than even nuclear weapons could. Barack Obama's Democratic Party apparatus is going out of the way to push this kind of diplomacy on its closest ally in the Middle East. This isn't incompetence or naivety. There is an agenda being implemented here. But it cannot be explained naturally, 
there are deeper spiritual issues at play. As late theologian Herbert W. Armstrong proved in The United States and Britain in Prophecy, the American people are in part descended from the ancient Israelites. This makes the U.S. a brother nation to the Jewish state of Israel. But forces from within America are dividing these two brothers apart. A prophecy in 2 Kings 14 verses 26 to 27 sheds some light as to why. For the Eternal saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, for there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. And the Eternal said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the son of Joash. Trumpet editor-in-chief Jera Fleury wrote in his booklet, The King of the South, quote, The Bible shows that anciently, God raised up the kingdom of Israel to represent him. Satan attacked that nation in every way he could. History shows that at one point, an enemy almost completely destroyed it. But God raised up a flawed human king to temporarily save the nation. Further down, it is important to understand the prophetic principle of duality. History is repeating itself today. Just what is the prophetic name of Israel? In our day, the emphasis is on three physical nations of Israel, America, Britain, and the Jewish nation in the Middle East. Iran's mullahs publicly say they want to wipe Israel off the map. That is another way of saying they want to blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, end quote. Since its Islamic revolution in 1979, Iran has never been a friend of America or Israel. It's no surprise that Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei would want to blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. But what about America? What about Barack Obama? Mr. Fleury continued, quote, Why in the world would an American president align with these murderers? And why implement a deal, speaking of the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, that virtually guarantees Iran becomes a nuclear power? This prophetic passage in 2 Kings 14 explains President Obama shares the goal to blot out the name of Israel, end quote. Time will tell if an Israeli-Saudi deal takes place, but this spiritual perspective is the one needed as negotiations continue. To learn more, please request a free copy of The King of the South at thetrumpet.com. We thank Mihailo Zekic for that segment. We want to record it as a conversation this morning and hit a technology snag, so he put in some extra time to revamp it and record it himself. He is a dedicated watcher of news, I might say. Uh, it really is part of what he does and who he is, and he is more than willing to put in extra time here and there as needed, among all the other many other things he is uh, doing and challenging himself with. Uh, to get the job done and to serve you, dear listener. So, you know, three cheers from Hilo, I guess. Uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. Uh, you're listening to Trumpet Hour just ahead. General Michael Flynn, his visit to Trumpet headquarters and his warning to you.
JSOC was the premier command in the U.S. military. In the Middle East, he revolutionized counterterrorism operations. Once they got that set in motion, it was lightning fast. This was innovation of the highest order. His innovative intelligence ops were smarter, faster, and made Americans safer. It was hard and fast. I can't even count. I lost count. We all did. Probably did 150 raids in a three-month span that summer. There were times where they had us rolling out the gate, and I had no idea where we were going. And they were like, we'll get the grid to you. And then as we're driving down one of the highways around Seoul, I'm having to type it into the computer. And we hit that target, and then while we're there, there's more grids coming in over the radio. The guys are already getting back on the vehicles. You'd have the assault force in the air, another assault force literally in the aircraft. A short audio treat there for you by our skilled production engineer, Jesse Hester, and his trainee, Isaac Lorenz. We appreciate you taking you into the time there where General Flynn really stood out as a senior intelligence officer. He empowered soldiers on the ground. He worked together with uh, the rest of JSOC, and they massively innovated counterterror and counterinsurgency strategy there in the Middle East. He's a He's at Joint Special Operations Command helping to double, triple, quadruple, and quintuple the number of raids that United States forces can execute in those far pavilions, those quagmires in the Middle East. So it's that perspective and it's that experience that helped shape General Flynn and his national importance as an intelligence officer. Uh, that's when he began to stand out. And the subject of his book, Field of Fight, is largely about uh, that, that time in his life in his career, uh, but it's from that experience and that success that he was appointed director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. So does he have an international perspective? Does he watch his world? Does he think that you, citizen, whether American or not American, must watch your world? That's an affirmative. We have got to watch our world. We have to watch and pray, in fact, as the Bible commands. Something I appreciated about General Flynn, besides him being just like a grandfather and besides him, for instance, sharing his ice cream with my eight-year-old, is that in his book, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, and in other things that he's written and said, he's advocating, he's sounding the alarm, he's fighting for the citizen, and not just for the American citizen, in fact, uh, for everyone everywhere who is a citizen. The cover of his book, uh, fifth, The Fifth Generation Warfare book, has someone waving an American flag, but it's a crowd of people waving the flags of their countries. And he's making that point that, that, uh, the citizens, uh, need to be, to be empowered. But it's, it's this figure, this, this, uh, important person, this persecuted person, as we know, it was Barack Obama who appointed him director of the defense intelligence agency. And then it was Barack Obama who forced him out of not only the agency, but the, the military, and it was Barack Obama who famously warned Donald Trump when he took the White House, watch out for two people on planet Earth who are more dangerous than anybody else. Kim Jong-un, the wild, dangerous, nuclear-armed dictator used as a pawn by China to provoke Japan and, and America. Obviously, he's dangerous. And who's in the same class? Who is the only other person... Uh, you should specify by name next to Kim Jong-un, General Michael Flynn. So it's this figure who who then Donald Trump, of course, appointed as national security advisor, and then the Obama holdovers targeted and took out through lawfare before he was later exonerated. Uh, you know that story. If you don't, definitely check out the, the Trumpet Daily Rumble channel, like I said, rumble.com slash Trumpet Daily. Uh, but it's this senior figure who then landed in Oklahoma City Sunday, drove up here to Edmond, Oklahoma, and this campus, and sat right in Armstrong Auditorium for a 
production, the finale of the Irish dance show, Celtic Throne. That's, of course, by our young people here on this campus, the young people who go to Imperial Academy, K-12 through school, as well as Herbert W. Armstrong College. Uh, some of them are graduates of the college. Lots of young people up there working together to, to produce uh, the dancing for that show. Lots of moms backstage and downstairs helping to produce it. An army of smart people like Isaac Lorenz and uh, Jesse Hester and those types of guys working in the, the magic pipes of the, of the electrical circuitry of the sound and audio video. Uh, to put on uh, just a, an, a patriotic, a historic, uh, an intriguing, actually, story of, of Celtic Throne. And General Flynn was, a, of course, a guest of honor uh, when the show was introduced by uh, Mr. Stephen Flurry. He pointed out uh, that General Flynn was there, and it was he that got the standing ovation <laughs> before the show even started. Uh, so that was a neat moment. We were sitting there in the crowd. We watched the show as well. And uh, to see people honor him after everything that he's gone through and and uh, understand what he's been fighting for uh, was really a special moment. He took it very graciously, of course. Um, and then the show went on. It was it was spectacular. Some people have said it was the best that they've done. Uh, so I talked to some of the dancers afterwards, and they said that it was the best that they have personally done. So it was just a – and then they've been on tour, as you might know. They've been on tour – uh, across the uh, the east this time. They they go on tour every summer for the past five summers, I think it is. The first one is a very small, uh, but I think that there have been five or four summers that they've been touring that show. And after the show, the, the, the big curtain call, which is kind of a, a number in itself, um, all these smiling kids up there and their, their costumes glittering in gold and, and the crowd standing up and clapping and cheering. Uh, in this case, General Flynn actually went up there with his uh, group, his team, and uh, Mr. Stephen Fleury went backstage and actually greeted the dancers and and spoke to them a little bit. You'll see that clip at the very beginning of part one of that interview, that Trumpet Daily interview with General Flynn. And he he has an emotional moment there. If you, if you catch it it's at the very beginning, um, where he just, he thanks them. He says, uh, you know, thank you. You're, you're, you're so talented. It's, it's really neat to see the family aspect. He brought, he brings that out and he brings that out throughout his visit as I'll, I'll mention, but, uh, how many of you are related to each other and your moms are backstage and, and so forth. He's talking about that family aspect of the show. And then he, he says, you're, you're doing a great, you're doing a great thing. You are you are inspiring this nation. This is a quote. You are inspiring this nation, and that's something that we need right now. Thank you very much, and thank you for your smiles. And he, he gives a pretty pretty good smile there at the end. And how can you not like when you see those kids uh, all if you you know all at once, uh, and they're just all you know, smiling really big. It's uh, kids who are growing up the right way and and just genuinely smiling. It's uh, it is a moving thing. How could you not? So uh, so make sure you notice that. Not just watch that, but notice that 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 very first clip that uh, that Mr. Flurry starts off the part one of that interview with. It's really just kind of a neat neat moment. But from there, uh, General Flynn, just to give you a rundown, he he dined with some of the staff here. I believe it was at Armstrong Auditorium, if I'm not mistaken, that, that night. And then the next day, Monday, yesterday, well, yesterday as I'm recording this, uh, on Monday, he did everything a person can do in one day on this, on this campus. I don't, I'm not sure if I have all this in order, but I know that he took a swim. He's, uh, he told us at lunch, he's, he's really into swimming and, and surfing if he gets the chance. Uh, he took a swim in the p campus pool uh, went poolside for a 10-minute interview with 96.9, one of the local uh, radio stations here. And uh, then what was next? Let's see. The There was part one of that interview that he he sat for with with uh, Trumpet uh, Daily presenter Stephen Flurry. Oh, before that, um, he actually asked if he could tour the elementary school, Imperial Academy. So he actually – I'm getting pictures. I'm getting emails here of of him touring – the 
the, the our little tiny elementary school and and sitting there in the little small chairs and talking with the kids and then they sang him a vowel song they they gave him a painting of a of an eagle they they uh you know did cute elementary school kid things <laughs> with uh, a special guest there and it was it, it was he who wanted to to fill that time uh that he, he he just he fills the time i tell you with the kids the children and he, and he understands from his visit as far as i can tell just from his visit and how he used his time and what he wanted to do uh he understands the importance of family and the importance of children and the importance of parents and as as you'll see in that lecture the important of importance of grandparents for all those uh, those people his age and and older um he's saying you know we've got to do something we've got to get in the fight um so for all you grandparents out there general flynn's on your case (laughs) to to fulfill the the you know what a senior what what uh a grandparent can and should do uh for their their children their grandchildren and their nation but anyway, the, the importance of children, uh, you'll see that in the, in the interview and the lecture. Notice that. That came out. That, that stood out to me a lot in, in, this, in this visit. So what else did he do? He, he sat for the Trumpet Daily interview, which then ended up being two parts, as I keep mentioning. And that, this is dynamite. It's awesome. It's, it's balanced. It's, it's, it's uh, American. <laughs> it's... it's um, you know, not to get just like too effusive or or into you know hero worship uh, at all, but but he talks about you know a kind a kind of a way of life, not just you know the politics and the situation with you know Obama and Biden and Trump and you know there, there's that too, especially in part two. But um, just notice that it's the whole way of life that he's kind of talking about there and talking about you know athleticism and and uh exercise and health and and uh the importance of of you know using your time and uh, he mentions america under attack what he thinks about that book which as you know has a whole chapter on the attack by the barack obama apparatus against him so all all of that's in there uh, so he goes. He goes from that to lunch over at our our field house. Some of us had the surprising uh, honor of being able to have lunch there with him, and uh, that's where that's where he came and surprisingly sat next to the eight year old, uh, my daughter, making me a little bit surprised and and uncomfortable there at first. But he is uh, very grandfatherly. And uh, just had a great, great conversation there about uh, the different places he's lived and the and the beautiful places in this country that uh, he has has appreciated in, in his long uh, career and in his life. And uh, talking about his his wife and his his family and you know expressing interest in the youth camp and 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 again family. Uh, it's a, it's a perceptive man. It's a wise man who understands the importance of family to national security. He's an intelligence officer, right? And as we've said on this program, and and I'm gonna, you know, rant a li- or not rant, but uh, talk a little bit about, you know, with in regards to his book, Fifth Generation Warfare, the family causes the national security or the family or lack of family causes the national security problems. Those two things, which can seem to be very unrelated, the day-to-day work in the corner office of the West Wing of the White House of the National Security Advisor, and your family, your day-to-day life, those two things are actually very connected. What what the struggle, the fight that uh, an intelligence officer is, is fighting, he understands, he recognizes a connection between that and your grandchildren or your grandparents or your parents. Uh, so that's that's not a revelation. It's a confirmation of what Trumpet founder Gerald Flurry has said for 30 years. <laughs> if you watch those old Key of Davids, 
he is telling you national security comes from family, comes from fatherhood and motherhood and grandparenthood and and a prop and childhood. There's a right way to do it. There's a secure way to do it. There's a there's a there's it makes a difference how you're living your day to day life. And uh, and General Flynn saw a way of life, a day to day way of life here on this campus and commented repeatedly on it. He kept telling the young people at the elementary school. Then after the lunch, he went to the uh, the middle and high schoolers and gave them a, a fairly long lecture and question and answer uh, just for them and kept telling them what you have here, the the, the stability, your families, this, this environment, this larger family of the people on, you know, on this campus and, and in this uh, organization are is is absolutely critical it's absolutely precious and uh and those aren't quotes but this is you are at a very uh what do you say it's this is a very special place and it is a very special place again not a revelation but a confirmation of something those those young people already happily know very well uh, so what else did uh, this visit entail i talked about the imperial academy Middle and high schoolers getting to ask questions, and and uh, the the general came down and got some of them to stand up, and he held their hands or leaned on them or did some other things. Really uh, mixed it up in a way with with them. They got to ask their questions. Uh, there was a later on the some of the staff and the college students got to uh, greet him and and uh, and talk to him a little bit. At, there at the Armstrong Auditorium before we went on to, um, or he went on to have dinner, presumably. And I don't know if he packed something else in, into that tiny time slot as well, but he probably did. And and then th- then there was the the main event, which was the Philadelphia Trumpet America in Crisis lecture by General Flynn. That's that's on the Rumble channel as well. Trumpet. Uh, sorry, Rumble.com slash Trumpet Daily. And there were hundreds of people there. The the lower orchestra, I couldn't see into the balcony. I know there were people up there. There are people who asking questions in the question and answer from up, up there. But I, but the lower orchestra area area that I could see was was quite full. And that was great to see. And and there's all there's there were people, you know, wearing red, white, and blue, waving little flags even in some cases. And there was the there was the national anthem by a, an Oklahoman, a, a woman uh, from up in in Guthrie, whom uh, General Flynn later said had survived throat cancer. Uh, her father was in the audience, ninety year old Vietnam veteran, and it was it was a different kind of event, just a, a wonderful opportunity, I think, for people at least in this area and and traveling from out of out of the area to come and see someone. Uh, tell you that America is in crisis, that that foreign empires are rising, that the house is on fire, as he said, not just the kitchen, but the house is on fire and exhorting people to do their part. He, he calls it repurposing your life and and the trumpet daily and the trumpet has much to say about how to do that and how, and really the only way you 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 can do that. Uh, the only way that will ultimately succeed, and I'll leave that for another time. But but the need is there. the 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 danger is close. The nation is in crisis, and we're talking in the next few years, and definitely by whatever happens in twenty twenty four. Not uh, you know not making any prediction about what will happen, but the crisis is worsening and at the next presidential election if not before the crisis will probably hit a breaking point was kind of what he was saying like we are in we are in a short term phase of the, of of this this ongoing crisis and uh people from the community got to get up and ask him questions about you know how to fight and and what's the what's the plan some were emotional one one uh uh, teacher was, you know, just expressing what, a, like he has General Flynn said, many people feel they're, they're, they are finally recognizing what the trumpet has been telling you, uh, and the plain truth before it 
for decades that all is not well. Yes, you, we still have a large military. Yes, we still have a, lar a large economy. We cannot trust in that. We should have never trusted in that. We are in a crisis and it involves much more than just, just our, our military size and power. It, it, it involves us. It involves what we do and think and tolerate. It involves what we indulge in or don't indulge in. Uh, it, it comes back to the home. It comes back to our children, our parents, our grandparents. And in not the same words, and not so many words, uh, General Flynn is recognizing that. He's recognizing the importance of the family. He's recognizing the importance of this, the nature of this attack. The reason America is in crisis, it's not that you need, as, as the Trump had said before, it's not that you need another Republican, you know, another a bunch of people to vote Republican or, or, or another bill for the Republicans to pass or, or any other political party. It's not more funding that we need. It's not, it's not uh, any of those things. America is in crisis. General Flynn confirmed that. The intelligence he has seen, <laughs> I'm sure you could say, has confirmed to him that this nation is in a crisis of not no longer being what it has been. And as he said, there are foreign enemies representing half the population of the earth, he said, 47%, that will actually existentially destroy this nation. So as we're gonna get to in this last segment, what you're doing at home, what you tolerate what you indulge in what you don't indulge in what you discipline yourself to do matters because you're in fifth generation warfare The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. This uh, is kind of maybe a buzzword that uh, over the past just couple episodes of Trumpet Hour, uh, Fifth Generation Warfare, and I don't uh, emphasize it because it is a buzzword or because it sounds cool, but because it is, again, not a revelation, but a confirmation. The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. If you happen to be at the event uh, with General Flynn, uh, you will you would have seen his book, November 2022, it was released, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, which he wrote with a co-author who was also in psychological operations and intelligence. I believe his name is Boone Cutler from memory. And I just want to introduce you to this concept and show you and show you that it's something that's very, very familiar and again emphasizes the importance of what you are doing at home, what you are doing in your everyday life, what a random Wednesday in August, how important that is uh, each day that, that, uh, that you live your life and that you, you use your mind. But the, in, the, in this book, uh, there's different ways of defining the generations of warfare. Of course, they overlap. Of course, you know, some things have been are as old as the beginning of time or, or mankind at least. But for the sake of argument, it uh, divides the, the, the phases, the generations, the eras of, of warfare into the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. First, pre-gunpowder, swords and spears, okay? Second, gunpowder, basically, cannons and muskets and so forth. Third generation, mechanized put the gunpowder, put the cannon on a mechanized tank or, or uh, fighter airplane or 
or a bomber or whatever it is. So pre-gunpowder, gunpowder now mechanized. That's World War II era warfare. Fourth generation nuclear warfare. That changes the whole ball game in in many many ways as has been kind of the buzz with the with that recent movie which i don't necessarily recommend but uh, it's good to be thinking about the nuclear age nuclear power nuclear destruction fourth generation nuclear warfare it's also uh and this is where you can divide it different ways but it's also where you have non-state belligerents such as terrorists right so you have the um terrorists striking civilians not amassing an army and, and fighting another army and then we have the fifth generation and yes as as this book says this is this has always been happening uh but now it's it's primary according to them and the fifth generation is targeting the beliefs of civilians Fifth generation warfare, the warfare that we are now in, the warfare that General Flynn says is now the primary mode of warfare is this, targeting your mind. When you cannot be targeted with nuclear weapons without a nuclear retaliation, when you cannot be targeted by even terrorism to the degree that it would destroy the nation, you are being targeted in your mind, how you think, what you do, what not just the information that you consume, but the character actually, the character, the moral character of, of you and your children and your family, that is a recognized target. Again, this has been, this has happened throughout the ages but in this nuclear age where we're at kind of a nuclear standoff all the time and this age of asymmetrical warfare, terrorism being just one kind of, of the asymmetrical warfare, we have a targeting of your beliefs, the information you, you believe, your thoughts and attitudes. It says in the book it's that this type of warfare is directed at societies to affect the cognitive battle space. That just means that your mind is a battlefield. Your mind is a target. Your cognition, which is just thinking, is a battle space. The belief system of civilians equals more value than just the geography or ideology of a nation or its leaders. Don't think about warfare in in the same way oh the 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 bombs come yes the gunpowder goes off the mechanization roll rolls over the battlefield Uh, but first you tear down the enemy tears down your beliefs tears down your unity tears down your character manipulates as this book says your thoughts and attitudes, preferably without your awareness. And this is in, this is in all kinds of, you see this in all kinds of um, aspects of society, politics and diplomacy and lawfare, as you've heard on the Trumpet Daily, uh, electoral intervention, manipulation, influencing populations, and it can be done in, in many different ways, but as it says in this book, the goal is to change the way people think. The enemy here is, as the book says, much more proactive and systematic than just, you know, hoping for the best and just saying, no, our way is better. No, its objective is to change and shape the way the target thinks or even the target's first principles. In this case, the first principles of the America are the constitutional principles, popular sovereignty, uh, what federalism, uh, division of powers, balance of powers, uh, the, the uh, uh, republicanism, the, the right of people to, uh, to govern themselves through their representatives. First principles, change those. 
the adversaries want to target the first principles. Psychological operations, conveying selective information to audiences to influence their emotions, motives, and objective reasoning in order to affect their behavior and the behavior of their governments and organizations and groups and individuals. And General Flynn writes that uh, people are recruited. People assess targets, not just one at a time, but using very sophisticated software uh, for this purpose. He, he says that ambiguity and also randomness, randomness are tenants of fifth-generation warfare. And that's the reason people can't see the manipulation occurring. He says what appears ambiguous and random is not. Uh, also, just a couple more quotes here. For the first time in history, there is a global psyop, psychological operations, affecting the way you think. Not just crude propaganda like you've seen from the World War II movies. Not just that. It's propaganda, but you don't recognize it as that. I, I pro I'm sure I don't recognize much of it as that. There, for the first time in history, there's a global psychological operations agenda to consolidate power using digital platforms to affect everyone on macro and micro levels. The goal is to achieve a uh, border, let's see, let's skip down, uh, let's see. Meanwhile, as it happens, everyone is addicted to digital dopamine and their next fix is just a click away. Dopamine, of course, that, or that chemical, I guess, in the brain that's associated with uh, feelings of pleasure. I'm sure there's much more to it than that, but uh, as far as we know about brain science, uh, that's that's kind of what we when we say do dopamine, we mean ah oh, that that good feeling. You you have that urge to to check your email and to, and and so forth and and get a hit if if you've got new mail, you've got new message, you've got something. There's something new posted. Everyone's addicted to it, and these are massive digital platforms. I mean, America under attack, held up by General Flynn in that interview, as I mentioned, says it's a quote, but it says. A whole of society industry, these huge digital platforms that rely on your addiction to digital dopamine, addiction in quotes and, and dopamine in quotes, of course, but a whole of society industry designed to shape elections and censor propagandize and spy on Americans was never simply a weapon to harm Donald Trump. It was designed to replace the Republic. This article says, uh, and it's referring to Nero, the emperor who fiddled while Rome burned. You can play the fiddle or you can save Rome, but you can't do both. It says, please step away from the apple tree and stop talking to the snake. My wife pointed out apple tree is kind of apropos since many of our devices have a certain fruit engraved on them. But step away from that. Stop talking to the snake. Protect your mind. Control your emotions. This is, this is in there repeatedly. You should protect your mind and control your emotions or your mind will become their weapon. So what am I saying here? Fifth generation warfare is not a new thing. It's not a buzzword. It's not a revelation. It's a confirmation that the things that you have heard on the Key of David and the Trumpet Daily for years and decades that you heard in the plain truth, read in the plain truth, saw on the World Tomorrow program, that there is an existential threat to the United States as a nation, that there is, there is national security implications for how you raise your kids, for what you allow on your television, for whether you send your children out with a smartphone in their pocket, for what you indulge in and watch movies and, and so forth. I mean, haven't we seen that with Disney? Haven't we seen that with with uh, Netflix? Haven't we seen how these things are being intentionally used? It's not just, well, human beings have human nature and, and we kind of just, uh, a lot of us, you know, it's just easy to to like to watch violence because it's dramatic and to, you know, and to have these, these voyeuristic vices of, of watching uh, things we know we shouldn't. That is being weaponized at this point. If it was ever non-intentional at this point it's intentional get off of that stuff get away from that stuff it's a national security threat it's it's a, certainly a threat to your mind and to the mind of your children 
and an intelligence officer is telling you that now in November 2022, a very wise man has been telling you that for more than 30 years before it was fashionable, so to speak, before, um, you know, not to say before uh, anyone in the world recognized that, but in a way that nobody else has said and recognized, Trumpet founder Gerald Flurry has been warning you that how you live your life, that the, the strength of the fatherhood in your family, the strength of the motherhood in your family is national security because it links you to the only force powerful enough to protect at this point to save even temporarily this country we had journalism class today and and uh i was telling some of the young women in that class about uh what de tocqueville said the french nobleman who traveled all over this country for the purpose of studying its people from from the 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 pioneer who was headed west with nothing but a wagon and i think a dog and an axe and his wife <laughs> and if i remember right he that was the happiest man he met all the way up to the the presidents and then the leaders and the governors and the and the highest people uh in america at that time when it was still small it was still you know 50 60 years old as a country Alexis de Tocqueville writes, Democracy in America, this huge two-volume work that, that analyzes the people, their institutions, everything from their newspapers to, to their system of governance, to the, how they elect their representatives, and, and what is this unleashing on the world that's good in these ways, but it's bad in these ways. This, this masterwork of, of American democracy, for good or for evil, for, you know, will it work, will it not? two volumes and he gets to the end of that and he writes something that I don't think you expect because I didn't. This is de Tocqueville at the end of this masterwork democracy in America volume two. As for myself, I do not hesitate to avow that although the women of the United States are confined within the narrow circle of domestic life and their situation is in some respects one of extreme dependence I have nowhere seen a woman occupying a loftier position. And if I were asked, now that I am drawing to the close of this work in which I have spoken of so many important things done by the Americans, to what the singular prosperity and growing strength of that people ought mainly to be attributed, I should reply to the superiority of their women. In 2023, General Michael Flynn has been on this campus and has been talking about children, and he's been talking about moms and mothers and family, and family being led by the father, as we know, uh, Gerald Flurry has been saying since the beginning, conspiracy against fatherhood. Remember that? Now are we seeing a conspiracy against fatherhood? Would you say we're seeing a conspiracy against fatherhood? Recognize you are in a spiritual war. Another thing that General Flynn has, again, not revealed, but confirmed. You are in a spiritual war. The war is for your mind. The objective is to dull you, to numb you, to get you to, to uh, engage in, in uh, sin, for lack of a better word. There is no better word. That's the goal. And you have got to fight back, and I've got to fight back. And it's not just a shadowy cabal. It's not just shadowy governments. It's not just globalism. I, I wouldn't say all those things are involved. It's not just even uh, the uh, destructive, malevolent influence that is Barack Obama and those who are his apparatus that is intentionally trying to get you and your children hooked on digital dopamine and actual drugs in many cases. There's a war for your mind. And the only way to explain it is that there's a real devil. There's a real evil influence that's intelligent, that is able to influence many people and many, and some people very much. The only thing that explains it is what the Bible says. There's a spirit of the power of the air. There's a 
there's someone who's cast down, there's something evil, intelligently, intentionally evil, and you are the target. So recognize, wake up to the nature of the attack and fight it. That is your trumpet hour. Email me at letters at the trumpet.com. Thank you to Isaac Lorenz, who is training there with Jesse Hester. Jesse is the man along with Sam Livingston who put together that great intro video for General Flynn's Philadelphia Trumpet America in Crisis Lecture Monday night at Armstrong Auditorium. Again, rumble.com trumpet slash trumpet daily. Rumble.com slash trumpet daily if you haven't seen that or haven't seen the two-part trumpet daily interview. Or if you want to catch that moment in part one that I mentioned where General Flynn told those smiling young people in that very touching moment, you're inspiring this nation and that's something we need right now. Rumble.com slash Trumpet Daily. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to being back with you this Friday with the Week in Review right here on Trumpet Hour.